Welcome to my podcast, Ayurvedic Healing and Beyond, and it's your host, Dr. Vignesh Devraj. Today, we have a guest who is the author of a book called Healing the Thyroid with Ayurveda, Dr. Marianne Teitelbaum. And she's a fantastic healer, and she has a background in chiropractitioner, and along with that, she does dietary counseling, and she's also into applied kinesiology, and she integrates Ayurveda into it. And she is well-versed in and specialized in healing thyroid, which is such a global epidemic that see, we see in a lot of people. And today, I'm so happy to have uh, Dr. Marian here. Dr. Marian, thank you so much for being in the podcast. Oh, thank you for inviting me. How is life there in the U.S. right now? Well, I'm in New Jersey, and it's one of the most hardest-hit states with the COVID virus. Uh, every day we're having about 3,000 new cases and about 400 deaths. So uh, our state was hit the second hardest. So it's, we're all in shutdown mode. It's a very stressful time right now. Well, there is no other thing than staying at home right now. Yes. And I'm sure something, there is going to be a light always at the end of the tunnel that we are seeing. Yes. And Dr. Marianne, What's the story behind, I mean, you are a chiropractor, and what got you into Ayurveda? Uh, with many healers, your own health. Sometimes you can um, stray and your health goes downhill. And so I had some health problems growing up. And here in the United States, when we're sick, we seek out mainstream medicine. But early on, I could see that they weren't able to help me because I didn't have a pathology or some diagnosable disease, but my physiology wasn't correct. So I, it was a struggle for me throughout my life to find um, ways to heal myself. And it wasn't until I found Ayurveda in the, my 20s that I regained my perfect and radiant health. So that inspired me to want to help other people with their health as well. And that's how you started integrating Ayurveda also into your practice. Is that correct? Well, at that time, I wasn't even in practice, but it inspired me to go to college, get my degrees, and then um, also learn Ayurveda at the same time so I could incorporate it. So I was one of the very early practitioners in the United States in the early 1980s to have a, a very busy and active Ayurvedic practice, one of the busiest in the country. Well, I can imagine. Well, in the 80s, life was completely different. It's, uh, I mean, for someone who is born in this decade, they would consider 80s as something prehistoric. Yes. Time without any mobile phones or internet. Yes. And uh, what got you into specializing in thyroid issues? It wasn't so much that I specialize in thyroid issues. I treat everything that walks in the door, mm -hmm. from autoimmune diseases to autism to food allergies, infertility, but I treat thyroid most. It's such a huge global epidemic exactly. that any practitioner would end up seeing on any given day so many thyroid cases. And in my practice, you know, if, a, if I have a lady patient coming uh, above 25 or 30s, one of my default questions has always been, are you taking l -thyroxine? Just like we are asking, what's your name? Uh, where do you come from? Uh, what are your presenting complaints? And do you take l -thyroxine? This has become a default questionnaire today. That's, that's the epidemic level it has reached today. Yes. I also have default questions. I ask them, uh, here in the States, they recommend you get flu shots every year. 
-hmm. the flu shot is loaded with mercury and the mercury attaches to the thyroid gland and it hurts it. So I ask them if they get flu shots. I ask them if they drink fluoridated water because fluoride is another poison and that's also adding to this epidemic. I also ask them um, if they've taken birth control pills, which depress the thyroid gland. And many of the patients here in the Western world do that. I know they don't do that as much in India. Mm -hmm. So these are some of my default questions because I want to see all the various influences on the thyroid. The thyroid is more a victim of these things. It's not the main problem that we need to be addressing, but instead we want to see what is bothering the thyroid gland. Um, for the listeners, would you uh, explain what does our thyroid do to us? The thyroid is unique in that it's the only gland who has effects on every cell in the body, mm -hmm. but also then in reverse, anything that's off in the body will weaken the thyroid. That's why in order to treat the thyroid, you have to treat the whole body. But what the thyroid does, it plays a huge role in our metabolism. If, if our thyroid gets sluggish or tired, we can gain weight easily because our metabolism goes low. Mm -hmm. It also plays a role with your cholesterol level. So if your thyroid goes weak, your cholesterol could go up. Uh, many cases we see um, the hair falling because the thyroid also plays a role in the absorption of calcium into the bones. So many people who have a weak thyroid will develop weak bones, but the hair is always showing you the health of the bones. So in many cases, the hair will fall out. And also when the thyroid is weak, the progesterone will go low. And just like the name implies, progesterone means progestation, uh, you could easily have miscarriages if the thyroid is weak. And in many cases, I see patients who've had miscarriages, but the doctors don't know why. They say all their test results come back normal, but they're looking for thyroid disease and they're missing the fact that the thyroid is just a little weak and it's just not showing up on the blood work. Well, no wonder we see such an epidemic rate because the current lifestyle with the fluoride and the birth control pills. I mean, teenagers, they take birth control pill like a candy today and they have some issue with the skin. The, okay, the doctor told me to take a pill and now I'm fine and I don't have to worry about the pain of the menstrual cycle. And they don't consider that lifestyle is causing all this and they just take a pill and the same is with thyroid they just take a l-thyroxine and it's something that is dealt with it yes and, and that's a big mistake it's a big mistake they're making exactly and uh, i mean when patients come to me uh, i if i have one hour time with them 45 minutes i have to explain to them why birth control is bad why you have to get out of such a lifestyle and uh, instead of giving them the Ayurvedic medicines, my time is mostly invested in making them aware how to come out of these pills and other unhealthy lifestyle. And I think that's what you're explaining here. Yes. And one thing I love about Ayurveda is that the ancient doctors describe these six stages of a disease process that we go through as we work our way towards a disease we could name. So in the first two stages, some things are going out of balance, but there's no symptoms yet. But by the third and fourth stage, you can start having symptoms around the body, but there's no disease you can ascribe to it. And then in the fifth and sixth stage, you can name it. So the problem with modern medicine is that doctors are trained to diagnose and treat disease. So especially with the thyroid, they're looking to see if you have thyroid disease. You might not have that, but along the way, in those early stages, the thyroid function isn't working 100%. So they're going to miss 
I would say, at least half of the thyroid cases. So many people I see do have those symptoms of weight gain, hair loss, um, constipation, depression, fatigue, miscarriages, but they tell me their thyroid comes back normal on the blood work. Now, on the other hand, if it does come back abnormal and the thyroid hormones are low, doctors will give the hormones. So what I wrote in my book is that the better thing to do would be to fix the reason why the thyroid's weak, support it with our wonderful Ayurvedic herbs to strengthen it, because the hormone actually weakens the thyroid further and it throws it into hibernation because it's no longer called upon to make its hormones. So that is not the most effective way. And in fact, I think it's a harmful way to treat the thyroid, but that's what the doctors are doing now. And that's one of the many reasons I felt compelled to write this book. Well, that's fantastic. And your book is really a lot of insights. And uh, doctor, so how can we educate better so that people come out of the need? Uh, you know, why, why I say this, many people come when they have thyroid, they just think that by taking L-thyroxine and they could start with 25 grams, 50 grams, and then, sorry, 50 milli mg, and it can go up to 150 mg. And they say, the only way I can live is with this. So how can we educate them? And is it possible to come out of this hormone replacement therapy? And is this something? Yes. Yeah, it all depends on how weak your thyroid has gotten, um, how long you've been on the medicine. But I have taken many people off the thyroid medicine slowly and gradually. And I teach them all the reasons why the thyroid might be weak so they can stop doing those things. Mm -hmm. The ancient doctors of India said, before you write any prescription, see what that person's doing wrong and tell them to stop doing it. And they said that if you just give herbs, then you're a bad doctor. You have to look at everything, their daily routine. What time do they go to bed? Because if you go to bed past 10 at night, it weakens the thyroid. How much sunshine do you get every day? We need the sun to hit the skin to make vitamin D, which isn't a vitamin, it's a hormone. So it helps to strengthen the thyroid. All these things, the diet, we need to make sure they're not eating poor quality vegetable oils like sunflower oil or canola oil which when you heat them they form a poison and when you swallow it they poison the liver and the liver plays a role with the thyroid so we we have to do exactly what those ancient doctors said we have to look at all the different aspects of their life fix those things and they're all easy to find and fix and then the thyroid perks right back up again that's so interesting i mean there's a statement uh before you heal a patient, you need to ask the patient if they are willing to give up the things that created the disease in the first place. So unless they are uh, willing to give it up, there's no point. You're just giving a symptomatic or Band-Aid relief. Yes, that reminds me of modern medicine. You go, your thyroid hormones are low, they put you on the hormone, and they never really sat down with you to see what your diet is like, your daily routine. They never teach you the cleansing techniques. So it's just suppressing the problem. And I see that with a lot of mainstream medicine. In fact, I hope to write future books on all the diseases and show you know, how incorrectly they're being treated. But I felt so compelled to write my first book on the thyroid mm -hmm. because it's very easy to understand what's happening with the thyroid and how to fix it. And it is at such epidemic levels right now. And what lifestyle changes would you recommend them? Well, the ancient doctors said that human beings were made to be asleep 
when the sun goes down and awake when the sun goes up. So these are all very basic principles. Mm -hmm. But now that we have lighting and computers, we can force our bodies to stay up if we want till midnight, two in the morning. And some people feel that as long as they get eight hours of sleep, then they should be okay. So they could go to bed two in the morning, wake up at 10 in the morning. And, and then when you do that, you're bas basically breaking a law of nature that's saying that the hours before midnight are very important to our health, and especially our glandular system, the thyroid gland, the adrenal glands. These are like little batteries that we're running on, and they need those hours of sleep before midnight. So that's one of them. And the other is to get out in the sunshine, like I was mentioning before, so the sun can hit your skin to make vitamin D. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, these are all basic things. Change your diet. Cook your own food at home. Don't eat out. When you eat out, they're all using vegetable oils, which are dangerous, processed foods. And um, so if you make these basic changes, your, your whole body will be very healthy, including the thyroid. And uh, when it comes to uh, Hashimoto's, uh, could you uh, give some information on that? How you deal with that? Yes, uh, that's one of my favorite chapters in the book because Hashimoto's isn't really a problem with the thyroid gland. Uh, so it's a problem with the immune system. So in my book, I wrote that the immune system is comprised of different parts around the body. One part are the friendly bacteria that reside in the gut. Mm -hmm. They train the immune system to stay intelligent. So the immune system's intelligence is such that it's programmed to kill viruses, bacteria, to attack those types of things, but not to attack food, like food allergies, or you, which is what Hashimoto's is. The immune system is attacking the thyroid. So we have to look at the different parts of the immune system and see what happened during that person's lifetime that might have affected those different parts. So the three parts of the immune system I mention in the book are the friendly bacteria in the gut, the liver, and the bone marrow. And it turns out that Hashimoto's was very rare many years ago, and now it's the most common of the autoimmune diseases. It is such an epidemic all around the world. And the reasons are because that since the onset of all these pharmaceuticals, it has increased the rate of autoimmune diseases by 500%. And here's the reason why. Many pharmaceuticals like uh, flu shots, birth control pills, antibiotics, uh, acid reflux medications, these medications destroy the friendly bacteria in the gut. So now the immune system starts to go off balance and starts to go in the attack mode. The other thing they do, everything you inject yourself with or swallow has to go through the liver. And just like rain, when rainwater is alkaline, when it goes through air pollution, it becomes acid rain. So taking all these pills and antibiotics and birth control pills and shots and, uh, and then bad food, all these chemicals now in this modern age are going through the liver and they heat up the liver from all the acid chemicals. And the liver, when it overheats, um, is the liver's not only part of the immune system, it's also part of the digestive system. So now the liver's overheating. It starts going in the attack mode. It attacks foods. That's why so many people have food sensitivities from the liver oxidizing um, the food that they're eating. And also at the same time, when the liver gets hot, it pushes you also into autoimmune. The third part of the immune system is the bone marrow. 
we call it Maja Datu in Ayurveda, yes. but it's basically the bone marrow. And if toxins were to get in there, it will definitely affect your immune system because that's where the immune system cells are born. And then they come from there and that's your immune system. So with many of these modern pharmaceuticals, they can go right directly into the bone marrow and disrupt its function. So now you can see all three parts of the immune system are affected. What they're doing then, the immune system starts attacking the thyroid. So then the hormones go off and the doctors mistakenly give thyroid hormone also for Hashimoto's and no attention is paid to the immune system. And it's That's why I felt compelled to write that chapter on the on Hashimoto's. Yes, uh, what a what a lovely insight that you get, and you explain it so well. And I really like the analogy of the rainwater; it's alkaline, and once it passes through the the pollution, it becomes acidic in nature, and that's why we call it acid rain. And this is exactly what's happening in our body. Fantastic analogy. This, I'm sure, people who are listening can you know completely understand what's happening to themselves. Yes. And this autoimmune disease, I mean, uh, how can you, I mean, they say that it's a disease which does not, they did not know what is the cause of this, but they give hormones a uh, replacement for that. But we all know from where this is coming. And many people come here and in Sitaram in my clinic and we do the Spanchakarma. And after that, we see that the hormone levels of the thyroid, this is coming to the normal level. And they wonder what happened? How is this happening? And once we detox the system, we are actually resetting the whole metabolism and the immune system. Because by doing panchakarma, what we are actually doing is we are taking the responsibility of the liver to clean the whole system in a safe environment. And that's what we are seeing. Yes. You know, when a baby's born, there's already about 250 chemicals in the umbilical cord blood. So that means that the baby's getting all the toxins from the mother. Then on top of that, they start injecting babies with uh, all these immunizations. And then if the diet is poor. So in this modern age, there's, we're just overwhelmed with too many toxins. And any good healthcare system would have detoxification as part of the overall health of the patients. But it's not something we do with mainstream medicine. Mm -hmm. So as a result, you're going to see lots of autoimmune diseases as these toxins infiltrate into the liver, the bone marrow, and they're disrupting the immune system. The answer is very simple and easy um, to reverse. It's just that we have to educate people more as to what to do. Exactly. I mean, education for thyroid is like the social distancing of Corona. It's the same thing. Yes, it is. And uh, to what aspect do you see stress also contributing to this? I opened my book on the thyroid talking about vada dosha. Mm -hmm. So uh, too much stress will aggravate vada. Mm -hmm. uh, and I describe exactly what vada means. It's very easy to understand. But vada in nature is the element of quickness, movement, dryness, um, and like very fast. So in this modern age, people are rushing too much and they're stressed and they're going to bed late and because they have so much to do. And that rushing or again, in Ayurveda, we call it too much vada, that rushing weakens the thyroid gland. So what I wrote in my book is, here's what vada means, and here's how to keep it pacified through your whole life. You can still be very busy, but not to the point where you're rushing and pushing and raking, again, these laws of nature. But and I wrote that you can do all kinds of things, whether it's Ayurvedic herbs for the thyroid or 
thyroid medicine, but until you learn to balance the vata, um, then the thyroid will always be weak. And another thing I wrote in the book is that there are some stressors we can't control, like our job stress or things that happen in our life. But there are two big stressors we can control. One is our diet and the other is our bedtime. So even though your life could be stressful, if you can keep those two balanced, a healthy diet and an early bedtime, waking up before the sun comes up, then it'll make it, um, you'll give your body a break where if there is other stress, it won't weaken you as much as if you're breaking those two laws of nature. That's so important. Uh, I remember one of the things that we also say is, uh, as long as you are scheduling your sleep perfectly and you're eating on time, these two habits can absorb whatever bad habits you have. But if you, don't right. have, and if you don't have these two good habits, no matter how healthy you live apart from these two, it will make no sense because the foundation is broken. Yes, that's right. So I have a whole chapter in the book on diet and a whole chapter on um, dinacharya, like what to do mm -hmm. uh, each sev several hours of the day, the best types of activities to perform so that you can live just with these basic laws of nature. And then your thyroid will be happier than if you keep breaking these laws of nature. That's so interesting how you put it up. I mean, in fact, if you, uh, one of the textbooks, uh, Ashtanga Hridaya, the second chapter is Dinacharya. I mean, be, even before they talk about the cause of the disease, how the disease is, the symptoms will appear for the disease and how you can treat the disease. They don't even talk about that in the beginning. They talk about Dinacharya. First, you follow these rules so we can avoid the disease later and deal with it later. So they give so much importance of healthy living in the beginning and then they talk about disease later. That's the profoundness that you see in Ayurvedic textbooks. That's right. They were exactly right about that. But the other issue, though, is that the ancient doctors said that there might be some things we couldn't foresee that would happen. And we're hoping that future Ayurvedic doctors can write about those. So in this modern age, we do have things that they didn't have in those ancient times, mm -hmm. like putting mercury in the flu shots mm -hmm. or in the fillings in our mouth or in the air pollution or having fluoride in the water, which poisons the thyroid or having all these pharmaceuticals, which, you know, sometimes they could save a life, but a lot of them are dangerous, like birth control pills. Uh, so we also have to educate the patients uh, about those things and how to not use those, or if they are, how to detox from, from the mercury or the birth control pills like that. So these are new things that we practitioners now also have to add to these textbooks. And how do you deal with a patient who is resistant to get rid of birth control pill? But at the same time, they come and say, okay, I'm having Hashimoto's and I'm having this uh, uh, irregular functions of thyroid. So how do you educate them to catch the point? Okay, you have to, this is the price you're going to pay. How do you counsel them to come out of that? I've been doing this for 30 years. And I would say a large majority of the young girls coming in are on birth control pills. But mm -hmm. the reason they're seeing me is because they're very sick mm -hmm. because of the birth control pill. So once I describe to them all the things the birth control pill is doing to them, and I show them other ways to control uh, unwanted births um, that where they're not making their whole body toxic, then they, they always come off that pill. 
they don't realize how dangerous it is because the doctors give it out like it's candy. And, and so they get to hear the other side of it when they see me. And, and the more you educate them about it, and I ex explain exactly how it destroys the friendly bacteria in the gut, how it gives them gallbladder problems because the hormones are made of cholesterol and you're dumping all that cholesterol into the gallbladder. And, and then I'll show them research on girls on the birth control pill have their gallbladders removed. And then I show them how when you're on it, the thyroid hormones can't work properly. They cannot perform their functions because the birth control pill won't allow that to happen. In my book, I wrote exactly what happens. And I continue to go on and on about what that pill is doing and how it's one of the leading causes of breast cancer. And then I show them how um, <clears throat> most women who take them years later will get breast cancer. Then they don't want to have anything to do with the birth control pill anymore. So all you have to do is educate them uh, and they usually want to come off it. I haven't had too many patients uh, want to stay on it after they hear the horrific things that the birth control pill can cause. I wish one day the the governing councils in every country will impose, like how they put a, a deformed lung in or a baby in a cigarette packet. I think the same should be done for birth control pill before giving it to a teenage girl or a woman so that they That's really right. understand what happens. That's right. They should. Uh, it would be best if they just took them off the market. They're, they're too dangerous. And there's too many other ways to prevent births than totally polluting your body like that. That's, that's really insightful. I wish more and more uh, youngsters listen to this insightful wisdom that you're sharing right now. Yeah. And doctor, is there anything else that you would like to give as an advice when it comes to habits and when it comes to uh, dietary changes? Uh, well, um, in the book, again, I go through um, the different... I go through two basic principles before I even discuss the food. The two principles are that the food itself should have prana. Mm -hmm. So I have a big explanation of what prana is. It's the vibration from the sun and the moon hitting the food as it grows out in the fields. It's hitting the herbs as they grow. It's hitting the water as it flows down the mountain stream. We want to keep the pranic energy intact in the food we eat and the water we drink because it's that vibration that inside our bodies gives our cells their intelligence to perform all their functions and to communicate with each other because everything in the body is vibration. So if we kill the prana by microwaving the food or making big batches of food and freezing it or eating food out of cartons and cans and uh, boxes and processing it, that all kills the prana. Then the food coming in is dumb or dead and then the cells get dumbed down and that's a very um, big way that we can get sick. Now, every cell in the body is composed primarily of water. 90% of the cell's content is water. So there's two prerequisites for the water. It has to be alkaline. You want the inside of your cells to be alkaline because with autoimmune diseases and cancer, there's, it's acid. So again, a lot of the water in the whole world now is acid from the acid rain, but you can still find good alkaline water. And you want the water coming from the earth with the prana. You want that vibration in the water. So we instruct our patients how to get good water. So we also teach them about the physical channels in the body. So there's a big explanation in the book. Because channels from the time you swallow the food, it's traveling 
through the digestive tract, which is a channel, but then from there it goes into the bloodstream and it goes through those channels, like arteries, veins, vessels. And then it becomes things like urine, tears, sweat, toxins, until it comes out the other end, it's bowel movement, urine, and sweat, all through channels. So Ayurveda is very keen on making patients understand that these physical channels need to be nice and open and clean. So in the book, I describe the foods that shrink the channels, those that clog the channels, and those that inflame the channels that you want to be avoiding so that you can have also perfect health. And then I go through each food group and I show um, the best thing to eat in each food group and those things you should be avoiding. So it's a, it's a good chapter to read. That's fantastic. I think you're talking about the srotas and srotarotam. Yes. I mean, um, one of my professors used to call it, we have a lot of roads in our body and if there is any traffic block, it can create a lot of disease. So we don't want any kind of blocks or what we call it as clogging or atherosclerosis. And, That's right. And as an Ayurvedic doctor, we are actually a traffic police helping to get rid of all the blocks. That's right, we are. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yes, exactly. And that's what we do in Panchakarma. We release all the blocks from the system as much as possible. Yes. And do you also see mercurial poisoning because of the fish or the sea, seafood that they eat? Is that something that you also see? It depends on each country. See, here in the States, they make people get flu shots every year. So that my patients who've had 20, 30, 40 flu shots, they're just loaded with mercury because there's so much mercury in the shots. But yeah, mercury's in the fish because the oceans are now polluted with mercury from the coal power plants. Um, so you have to watch. <clears throat> but also, not as much anymore, but, but when I was growing up, they used to put silver mercury fillings in our mouths when we, had, when we needed dental fillings. Mm -hmm. So that was another source of mercury, but we're seeing a little less of that nowadays because the dentists have stopped doing that overall. But so I would say more recently, it's coming from the air pollution, the fish, and especially the immunizations, like the flu shots. I hope one day all of this will come out and health will be much easier and effortless. Well, you know, the ancient doctors said that um, Ayurveda was cognized during Kali Yuga. Uh, mm -hmm. This time period is a deep, dark time period where all the knowledge is backwards. And they said during this time period that can occur for many thousands of years, the knowledge is so backwards that you can go to a doctor and they would harm you. So Ayurveda was cognized to show people the correct way. And I see that in my practice every day, that people are being so harmed from too many pharmaceuticals or uh, too many immunizations in the children. Uh, and it just reminds me of why Ayurveda was cognized and came about so we can show people um, maybe do it this way. This would be better for your health and avoid too much of, of those medicines. That's a fantastic insight, doctor. I mean, uh, with almost half an hour, you gave so much of wisdom. That is, uh, I think you're 30 years. I think half an hour is not enough to bring out the best out of you. I would be putting the details of your book in the description of this podcast and also give you a website so people, if they want to reach out to you, they could. Is there any... Um, the best way to reach out to you is through your website or? Um, they can contact me through, um, they can call our office. We do Skype consultations around the world, mm -hmm. uh, through Europe, the United States, Canada. 
Uh, right now, I'm not seeing patients in person. We have a whole lockdown going on in New Jersey, but I am doing phone consultations the whole day. Um, so the patients can contact me. Um, just look at my website and it shows the various ways to contact us. Yes, I think it's uh, plus one eight five six seven eight six triple three zero. So I will be putting yes. this in the description. Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Dr. Marianne. It was really wonderful to have you in my podcast. And I wish to have one more session with you in regarding with others, some of the concerns that you, and also the fact that you have a chiropractic background. I'm sure this has, a, uh, I'm, maybe next session, I would like to talk something about the bones and the alignment of the spine. Okay, it sounds good. Thank you so much, Dr. Marian. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. It was nice to meet you.